0: Good afternoon, this is Gary Kavner. I'm here today with my friend and colleague, Michael Dwyer. I feel like I missed something from the introduction. Do I usually say that differently? I think I usually have the show name in it. Do you? I don't know, they've all just started to blur together. Anyway, yes, friend and colleague, Michael, how have you been?
1: I've been tremendous.
0: Uh, have you been having a good time?
1: Well, as you know, Gary, I told you, how fair I have been having uh, quite today we'll just leave it the fact that it, it day started with the loss of two bottles of very nice wine and i haven't got over it since
0: oh i i had assumed that you were having a good time because of the recent news that came out which has uh, made it a very good day for a very particular sort of person
1: you're gonna have to help me here well it's
0: that the mandatory quarantine has come in and we've effectively banned somewhere in the region of 790 people of color from the country
1: 790 million people
0: of color i think we meant yes yes so it's a good day for racists
1: it's a great day for racists and god love them they don't get many good days these days do they so i think carrie you did the numbers didn't you was it mali You worked out that to stay in the quarantine in Ireland, if you were from Mali, that would involve saving up nine years worth of the average wage.
0: Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I've just um, I've just been running through the figures again. I think I'll maybe do something on the weekend pointing out that, you know, we have banned nearly effectively the mandatory quarantine. You have one country on it that isn't. Either a majority black, Hispanic, or Arab country, and you know, I just want to make the point that if, let's say, Trump had put this forward, the reaction <laughs> would not have been what it has been in Ireland when we put it forward.
1: Uh, no, I think that's probably reasonable. Uh, Aus- Aus- I think it's Austria, isn't it? Austria is the
0: o- the other country on the list. The total population of all the countries that we've put for a mandatory quarantine is 801 million. The only country yeah. that is primarily white is Austria, and that has below 9 million. So about 792, somewhere in that region. Now, you know, it's never going to be exact, Michael. Um, it depends if you're going on, like, self-identification or the one-drop rule, and I don't know what the department prefers to use when it's coming up with these sorts of things. <laughs>
1: I ha I I I think it's unlikely that the department has a sort of a list of boxes that you can take mulatto, octoroon. I don't I I I don't think sort of, you know the the rules regarding miscegenation in post-bellum racist southern states of America are unlikely to still be in vigour in the Department of Justice. Well, I mean,
0: I, if for no other reason than you to minimise the level of complexity in their statistics, that Irish government departments will, you know, lean towards the one-drop rule.
1: I don't know, they're kind of keen on self-identification these days.
0: Yeah, but that's very complicated to actually analyse. And if you want to block, you know, 800 million coloured people from the country, you're going to have to accept that self-identification, you know, just isn't going to cut it. Just one-drop rule, knock out 800 million at one go.
1: I think the simplest way would be to the apply the, the basic pr- principle of immigration and customs officers all over the world. I don't like the look of you.
0: Isn't that effectively what they've done?
1: Yeah, but you know, we we could just make it explicit and say, and and get rid of all these petty fogging procedural issues and rules and regulations. If the man at the counter in the airport looks at a person and says, "I don't like the look of them." That should be good enough for us. Well, I
0: mean, we could just replace the entire list with just a placard that says, No blacks, no Hispanics, no Arabs, no Austrians. Need apply. I think that would, yeah, that's simple. That's direct. Same result. I wonder, is this why CJ Standard is going home? He's worried <laughs> that
1: if he doesn't leave now, he'll get deported. Or he'll end up in a hotel somewhere in Kildare.
0: So, as we said, it was a nice opening. It's been a really good day for racists. Not anyone who actually wanted mandatory quarantine for any real reason because the way they've done it won't be effective, even assuming it could be effective if implemented properly. So really just a fantastic reason to stop particularly Africans from coming here. Yeah, but
1: in fairness, it has done something. There, There's a certain group of people, and I'm not saying that I don't understand to a degree where they're coming from, but there's a certain group of people who are sort of the, the aviation equivalent of COVID train spotters. They have this slight obsession with counting the number of planes that arrive in Dublin airport every day. And then they go on Twitter and say, X number of planes arrived every day. And then people wonder why, there's trans, why we can't get hold of the pandemic. All these people are coming flooding into the country. From what they have published, studies-wise, it seems to suggest... That people coming into the country like this, not that big a problem. On the other hand, on the other hand, Gary, we are also told by people that we should be very, very worried indeed about people coming into the other country because of the variants, the new variants, the mutant variants that are going to flood into the country from all, all over the gaff and make it impossible. Uh, for us to live or to coexist, with, even with vaccines. Well, Michael,
0: I just think that we just have to accept and be thankful that the department decided to protect the purity of this nation by banning Austrians.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because you know what? When it comes to issues of race and discrimination, Austria always helps.
0: I mean, I just think it was time it happened to them for once reverse Anschluss they had their time to do it to everyone else and now we get to do it to them I wonder if this is uh, I, I hope the uh, working title of this program inside the department is just purity control
1: oh god
0: mm-hmm. Is have we reached the quota of implying that the department is racist yet or do I keep going because I can keep going on this for a while
1: no 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 i just thinking that we're now moving from that point to the point where you're now making sure we, we appear on some list somewhere of some sort of subliminal NGO that tracks far right commentary.
0: Yes, and then it will just be, said banning 800 million Africans was good in order to ensure purity.
1: Yeah, I, you, I think that if you repeat the word purity one more time, it's like the, the genie appearing or something, or Nosferatu, you know, I think that that would just do it and we would we would automatically ping on some kind of some kind of database somewhere. So Anyway,
0: it's it's not that they're racist. It's that they've tried to implement something in a very cack-handed fashion that won't work. Not even sure if they're incompetent or they just didn't want to do it. But anyway, on from that piece of good news for racists to piece of good news for everyone, Michael. <laughs> Keep on digging, keep on digging. Yeah, go on, what's the other good news? Our unemployment rate has fallen. It's fallen by 0.3%, which in a normal course of events would actually be pretty solid in a month.
1: Do you know what you call that, Gary? That's what you call a V-shaped recovery.
0: Our unemployment rate is now at a mere 24.8%.
1: Back when I was a chap, it was up around 35%, and we were fine. I don't know what people are complaining about. No, it wasn't. Well, maybe it wasn't, but... That's what it felt like.
0: Yes, well, you see, now it actually is.
1: Also, we didn't, we had far fewer jobs in those days. It wasn't just we'd less, we'd more unemployment, we'd f- with less employment. So it was a, it was a whole different story. There, only, there was less than a million people working in the country. I mean, that's actually true. The, their, the levels of employment are more than double what they used to be in the eighties. Even if the unemployment, well, yeah, the unemployment was up around 17 18 percent. You know, and that was, that wasn't, there was no pandemic, Gary. It was just fucking dire government, which I suppose is a kind of a, that's more an endemic yeah, disease rather than a pandemic, isn't it? It's a bit like malaria in Guinea-Bissau. It's just something that's there until you come across and spray, spray the place with DDT.
0: So, I mean, that's a piece of good news. There has been some bad news as well this week. For instance, that ship shutting down a major global trade artery somehow in the Suez Canal but inside Ireland or sorry inside the EU we also had a bit of bad news that started as good news Michael for the EU the EU during the uh they decided that they were going to raid a factory in Italy or a plant in Italy and they found Michael millions upon millions of doses of AstraZeneca 29 million doses of AstraZeneca, in fact.
1: Strictly speaking, they discovered it. I I loved about this was in the first hour or so after the story broke, there were all of these people on Twitter, some of them official spokespeople for the EU and some of them the, on, the, the unofficial spokespeople writing for the newspapers for the EU. And the dripping sarcasm. Oh, yes, AstraZeneca denied having any stockpiles. AstraZeneca... And and then look what happens. Discovered and the commissioner had sent to Italy and said, Go in. And they went in and they went in and they searched well searched. I don't know if they even searched. My impression is they asked somebody, where are the hidden supplies of vaccines? And some man said, uh, over there and that was the level of discovery that it involved,
0: Gary. Yeah, so there was there was there was a moment of glory of we found the secret vaccines and then that changed quite quickly given what AstraZeneca's explanation was because it was kind of humiliating and because it turned out that what had actually been happening in the plant was that there were two reasons why vaccines were there. 13 million of the 29 million were for COVAX. Now COVAX is... Uh, basically a program that supplies vaccines to the third world, to the poorest countries in the world. And the EU, you know, is fully signed on to that and therefore couldn't really complain about those 13 million. Also, it looked kind of bad because, yes, they did just raid a facility supplying vaccines to the third world. And then it turned out the remaining 16 million, well, there was a little bit of a uh, issue there in that the EU hadn't signed off on the factory that had produced them And so AstraZeneca couldn't legally use them in Europe. And so they were waiting there on quality control, as they called it. Once that was gotten, the 16 million were all being sent to the EU. So effectively, the EU raided a factory and had about two hours to comment and humiliate itself before sort of quietly going, oh God, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Unless you're the Irish examiner or you're an Irish newspaper of any type, in which case it's not pretend it never happened. It's talk about it as if it was never explained.
1: Yet the headlines didn't really change, did they? I mean, par- after paragraph six, seven and eight, maybe the story either got expanded or clarified. But the headlines seemed to
0: basically the s- stay the same. No, no. I mean, and you had, you know, the standard with the Irish Times. I don't think the Irish Independent reported it at all. But I must say, my favourite was the Irish Examiner. It was, a, it was a beautiful headline, Michael. Ireland to receive 160,000 AstraZeneca doses after Italian discovery. <laughs> Ireland is to receive these doses after 29 million doses were found in an Italian warehouse. Technically, that's not a lie. The vaccines will be given to people after the EU discovered there were vaccine doses in that facility. They're just not connected to each other.
1: It's not a consequence of it. But I think that if you were a a person who speaks English and you read that headline and nothing else, you would be left very much with with two impressions. First of all, that the vaccines had been hidden. Because the word discovery does seem to imply the looking for something which is not in plain sight. And secondly, after in that sense of because of, or as a consequence. And I think that's what most English-language pe- speakers
0: would, 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 would take. And
1: that's, hmm,
0: I don't know. <laughs> Disingenuous is the wrong word, but... It's in the headline, and it's in the first paragraph. Now, I can't complain too much about it, because the piece was written by Aoife Murr, who is their political correspondent, and I, after talking about one of her stories on the podcast last week decided the risk of her suing me was acceptable and decided to write that in an article pulling apart the uh, article she had written and explaining why it was misleading. And I can't do that within like two days of the last one, or it just looks like I'm targeting for more. But had that not happened, Michael, this would be a great article to do that too as well. But it did happen. So
1: we shall move on without poking further further bears. But not that if is a bear. I, I don't know if from a hole in the wall.
0: I don't think if is a member of the gay community at all, Michael.
1: <laughs> Wasn't you I was. I was thinking more of the Earthside community.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Whoops.
1: I think if you're talking the gay community, most most gay bears are perfectly happy to be poked. However, grizzly bears and polar bears probably it's more dangerous to poke.
0: So there's been a slight expansion of one of the stories we were mentioning in the last podcast. We were talking about how there had been uh, Declan Ganley's case had gone to the courts Declan Ganley's people had asked the um, the state's legal team whether or not there was actually any legal prohibition on the holding of masses and the state solicitors said that they had to go and take instruction from their client the state and
1: when sorry no hold on guys not to be not to be that guy but they went to the courts basically to get the courts to say that Either the regulate there were no regulations, or that what regulations existed were unlawful because they were unconstitutional. They wanted the courts to give a, a view on this. The courts then asked the state, the, the state representatives, as well, what is the story here? And at that point, the state said, the state, the, the the lawyers, I'm sure the very fine, very excellent lawyers representing the state said, um, can we get back to you on that? Which doesn't instill one with a whole lot of confidence, really.
0: Tim Jackson of Grip decided he was going to reach out to the Guards directly and ask them about it. And just, what exactly are you applying here? What is the actual status of, of masses?
1: Because Tim, good citizen, wants to make sure that he's not engaged in any kind of activity that might draw the attention of the Guardia
0: of And the issue there is that the Guards gave back a very... Long winded answer about, you know, essential services and all of the things that are legal, basically, in a very general tone. And then Tim quite rightly noticed that they had not at all answered the question he asked them, and he asked it again, and they just refused to answer it. So the courts don't know what the law is because they're waiting for the state to tell them. The state either doesn't know what the law is or knows and is unwilling to tell people. And the guards are unable or unwilling to tell the media, who are meant to disseminate information like this, what law it is they're actually applying,
1: or how they're applying it, or how they how they intend to apply it. So, do you know what, it's not much of a, it's it's not much not much joy for the average citizen out there that <laughs> might want to take the terrible risk of going to mass on Easter Sunday.
0: It does It does give you the impression that a bit of a stroke is being pulled, though, doesn't it? Because like, you go to one lad and you ask him what's happening, and he's like, oh, I don't know, you'll have to ask him. And you go to a second, and then a third, and after the third, you're like, I'm getting a certain feeling about this.
1: God, I think stroke is being kind. Stroke implies a group of slick, rather clever people getting together to do something sly and cute for their own benefit. It's like... You remember Murphy's stroke where they pulled off a great betting coup. Uh, I don't get the sense that anybody's pulling off a great coup here, but rather a bunch of people just don't know what the hell is the situation. And they haven't actually known what it was, but nobody had noticed up to now. But now people have noticed and they're asking the awkward questions and it's all getting a bit embarrassing.
0: Yeah, but just bull through it. Like, what's the worst that could happen?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, nothing will happen to them. Nobody's going to find them €500 for going to Mass. Or saying Mass, or whatever.
0: No, no, they're going to be absolutely fine. On other news, Michael, that might be good to know, just in general. In February of this year, and actually they've been talking about it since January. And actually they've been asked to start talking about it since just after the middle of last year. But in February... A team was put together, very quickly put together, a report on whether or not rapid <laughs> antigen testing should be done. A uh, a rapid response report, effectively. That report is now being finished, and it will be released, according to the Minister for Health, soon. Soon is not a date, soon is a promise.
1: This is in the context also, Gary, of all sorts of other things that are going to be done. <laughs> radical innovative steps to
0: control the pandemic like for example testing and tracking Gary. I hear it's going to be a core part of it moving forward Michael oh, uh, going back seven days. I seem to remember I was I was told it would be a core part of it you know, during the first lockdown when there was like we need to lock down to give us time to develop this system and then the system just never really ended up developing. But now we've now we've decided, actually, no, that might have been important. Maybe we should have done that. So let's now say we'll do it again.
1: Do you think that's it? You see, the more cynical people out there, and that would never be you or me, Gary, obviously. But the more cynical people out there would say it's not that they think that this is actually a good idea, but rather, you know what, we we kind of like the idea of keeping them in lockdown till Christmas, but to do that, we're going to have to do some shit that makes it look like we're trying not to get them in lockdown till Christmas. You know, we're going to have to do other stuff, you know, the other activity, other displacement activities, distractions that will make it look like we're really doing our very, very best.
0: That there, there are now five new, Michael, COVID-19 walk-in test centres. Michael, in France, you can walk to a pharmacy and buy a rapid test.
1: Oh yeah, but that's France. I mean, who'd want to live there?
0: No, no, of course. So instead of doing that, we'll spend a month and a half, nearly two months, putting together a quick report on the rapid testing. And in the interim, what we'll do is we'll, we'll get to the very end when they deliver their report. And then we'll set up a walk-in, no appointment necessary, COVID test centre at the fucking National Aquatic Centre. The test centres close on Wednesday the 31st anyway. Sorry? Test centres are open from yesterday until Wednesday the 31st. You're
1: going to have to help me out here, Gary. Why? Not why are they open, why are they closing?
0: They're temporary walk-in COVID testing clinics.
1: Oh, of course. He said, of course, without having a fucking clue what. Genuinely, why?
0: So what they've done is they put testing centres in five areas where the cases are particularly high. And then they say that by, by doing more tests in those areas they'll be able to better understand how and why the virus is spreading. Problem there is that there's no tracing of anyone. So I don't, I don't see how you will do that, actually.
1: So you'll test people. They'll say that they'll be positive. Then you go back to them and say, So, Mary, how do you think you got it? Well, now, I went to Aldi and it was very busy. Aldi, okay, Grand Mary.
0: You have to live within five kilometres of one of them? To legally be allowed to go to it?
1: No, is that your interpret? That sounds like your interpretation.
0: That's that is what's being reported of it. Black and white. You have to be over sixteen. You have to have no symptoms of COVID, and you must live within five kilometers.
1: But say you went to a school in the town, and you're you had no symptoms, but you're a contact, or and you you live seven. Mile, seven kilometres away, because you could live 15 or 16 kilometres away from it, but you're going in and out of it because you're going to school. What, how would that work? I mean,
0: five kilometres? It's very important, Michael, that people under 16 not get tested because there's issues with, you know, underage people consenting to medical testing. And also it might incidentally show that schools are a major spreading ground. And no one wants that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, we don't do that. Schools do not spread.
0: I mean, they're doing something. That's a... That's a benefit, like Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. They're they're doing something. Yeah, that's that's positive. One thing I wanted to talk about. We are recording this as the same time as tonight the tonight show on Virgin Media it goes live. Actually just after it's it's finished, but haven't had a chance to look at it. But I saw some comments that Thomas Byrne is meant to have made on it about how the vaccine programme is going. Um we're not far off and it's all going well and you know just the usual sort of thing. So because of that, I just wanted to quickly run through some of the actual figures for the vaccination program. The government's target, Michael, for the end of the month originally was 1.25 million doses of vaccine administered. That's not 1.25 million people vaccinated because you're looking at uh, second doses there. It's 1.25 million doses in total. As of Monday the 22nd, which is the last day we have data for, it's Close of Business Monday, we had administered 690,449 vaccines. We are, shall we say, Michael, a bit off hitting the 1.25 million target. We would need, in fact, to administer 559,551 vaccines from Tuesday to Wednesday the 31st of March. That would be that's what that's 9 days that's about 60,000 vaccines a day every day we're currently doing about 9,000
1: which is less than 60,000
0: it's i would say it's substantially less when you actually break it down and look at the um at the smaller details it's also pretty bad cohort 4 is the people who are a very high risk but are under 70 they we were meant to do 10,000 of those a week over the last 2 weeks michael In the last two weeks, we haven't done 20,000. We've done about 8,000. So we are, shall we say, running a bit behind on that metric as well. We are obviously going to miss the target uh, for the end of the month by a massive amount. Now, there are... The general blame is that it's supply. However, when you actually look at the figures that we've seen for supply, and these are super inconsistent because they just don't release them a lot of the time, and then you suddenly just get a dump of them. So we know that at the on Sunday evening, we know that up to Sunday, the 21st of March, 855,360 vaccines had been delivered to the country. Okay. So about 175,000 vaccines unused in the country at the start of this. Normally we get between 95 and 145,000 vaccines in a week. We've basically two weeks left. We could get up to, you know, 290,000 vaccines in that point. That would bring us well over a million, but it doesn't look like we're going to vaccinate over a million people here. It looks like we're going to vaccinate, if we can hit 750,000, we'll probably hit that. If we could hit 850,000, we would be doing very, very well at current trends. Most likely, we will miss the target by an amount that cannot be explained just by supply issues. And not only will we miss it, but we have looked like we're going to miss it for weeks. Oh,
1: gee, I mean, back at the... Was the end of January when we were crunching through such numbers as we we had at the time, we were saying that we were four weeks into it, we were three weeks behind already.
0: Yeah, it's been going badly for a while now, and actually, just because I've been putting up the daily stories on GRIPT tracking the vaccine progress, it's given me a fairly good idea of um, how how off we were on this target for weeks, just weeks. It was it was obvious when we got into March that. Unless something drastic happened, we weren't going to hit this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to miss this target. We're going to say it's supply issues. Okay, whatever. Things happen. Let's see. On March the 5th, I wrote an article saying, at Current Trends, we will miss the March vaccination target by over 350,000 doses. It now looks like it'll be four hundred and fifty to 500,000 doses. Yeah. I have seen no plan released by the government on how they plan to scale up the vaccination efforts if more supply becomes available, or really just in order to use the vaccines that we have in the country. So there's a little bit of a, they're saying we're going to be doing 100,000 per week this month. They're talking about scaling up to 200,000 next month. But then you, I mean, you look at last week. Yes, there was the AstraZeneca pause, but over all of last week, we administered 60,000 vaccines, 61,000. The week before that, we were doing 86, the week before that, 82. And that's, that's, that's Monday to Sunday. Last
1: Sunday, last Sunday, we delivered one, a total of six second doses.
0: But to be fair Michael over that Sunday we actually delivered 2849 vaccines in total which was way better than the week before that when on the Sunday we administered 305 vaccines in total
1: Now as regards the shall we say the the surplus vaccines which were held back we should point out Moderna which is not our largest supplier anyway but certainly It is a contractual requirement when you buy supply vaccines from Moderna that there's a they have a contractual requirement on base of supply that you will keep a certain amount of vaccines back so that you can guarantee vaccination second vaccinations within a certain period of time. That's part of the contractual contractual agreement. They have with Moderna. Pfizer is based also its MNRA vaccine. I don't think that Pfizer have the same agreement but I don't know. I know that we also when we began this process it was on the basis of a one-two approach rather than following the example the British decided to go down the line of giving as many people as possible their first vaccine and then going back uh, at a, a distance of 12 weeks and there was a reluctance to do that because they felt that wasn't there wasn't data available, the trials the vaccines hadn't been trialled on that basis. The real world data suggests that actually the ten to twelve week data seems to produce not just similar but possibly even better levels of protection. But that's something that we didn't know at the time. So I think to be fair we should
0: No, Moderna do have the Moderna do request that fifty percent of their vaccines are held back for second doses. That's So we've only received in total 68,000 Moderna vaccines. You're looking at 34,200 vaccines to be held back. We had 175,000 at the start of this week. Let's take that away. You're down to, what, 140,000, somewhere in that region. We're administering 60,000 vaccines a week. Now, what they're saying is that that is a buffer amount we've built up to ensure there's availability of second doses. But I think they did this without actually thinking about what they're doing. I think someone said, well, of course you want a buffer, you want a stockpile in case, you know, something happens. But all of the contracts we have signed for supply are effectively funnel-shaped. They start narrow and then they expand over time. Supply massively increases. It does not make sense to have a buffer of nearly 200,000 vaccines now when we've only got 850 vaccines in total when we could hold off and simply take that out of the larger deliveries that are coming to us over the coming quarter
1: and we do it does seem to be well on the basis of the contracts that were signed and even the weekly uh, allowances that you could safely do that on the basis that we are getting a, a significantly ex- expanded uh, supply we're now getting to that part of the pipeline where the where the uh, the supply does ramp up considerably. Johnson and Johnson uh, are going to come online, uh, along with, and they're going to be increased supplies. We hope from Pfizer, although that's we, we don't know. AstraZeneca is still going to replicate. There's certain question marks about supply there, but yeah, there's it, they the, the second quarter, which admittedly is somewhere between next week and three months time. Is going to see a massive ramping up. So it, you, you, from the point of view of protecting people that are vulnerable, it seems to be that it's a choice they could have made was to ramp up the what the first vaccine now and get as many vulnerable people protected as possible, as quickly as possible.
0: I've com- I've said before that the public, the government has kind of instructed people like children, just telling them not to do things or to do certain things without explaining why those things have to be done. And sometimes that's just been because it's handy. Like some of the government regulations are effectively arbitrary. There's no science behind them. They just needed to say something, so they said something. But other times, it might have actually been quite useful to tell people things like, here is how most people get infected with COVID-19, and that is why you should do this, as opposed to just do it and don't question it. But I kind of get the sense with certain things like the surplus that there's stuff they themselves are just being told and not questioning. And it's not just that they're telling people things and not explaining. Sometimes I think they just don't know themselves why they're doing things. They're just doing them because they're meant to be done without actually thinking. Does this actually make sense in this particular case? Not in general. Specific to this situation, should this be happening?
1: I take your right and I think you're right. And I think particularly in the context of the next... Quarter, you're right. That's not to say that we shouldn't, ex- we should not expect that there may not be further bumps along the road when it comes to expected supply. There's a story today, for example, that, uh, Novavax, which is, uh, an American vaccine, an American pharmaceutical company, which is producing a, a vaccine which has finished its third le- third third phase trials in Britain at the end of January, the data is in. It shows f- efficacy up around 87 percent. And there was an expectation. There was I There was a. I think a terms. A general terms of agreement were were reached in jan- Actually, January before January. However, it was announced today that. Novavax are not yet ready to sign a deal with the EU. The UK signed a deal, signed an actual deal and secured uh, a supply of 60 million doses, which will be produced in Sheffield, I think. And they signed, they they did that deal on the 27th of January, which is kind of indicative of, of some of the supply problems. that we've seen the difference between Having agreeing a deal in principle and then actually signing the thing, so shall we say biting the bullet, pulling the trigger? The Brits did that early. The UKs now there are suggestions that this may be something to do with the fact that Novavax are anticipating that there may be certain issues regarding supply because of problems regarding certain elements. Uh, components that they need for the production of the vaccine and because of the experience of AstraZeneca they're a little bit cheery about getting into a deal with the EU before they're absolutely happy that they're not going to be facing down the barrel of either a lawsuit but also significant reputational damage I mean what's the situation I mean the AstraZeneca which we have to remember all the time we keep reminding ourselves is a vaccine produced at a not-for-profit has suffered pretty serious reputational damage and its share price i think has reflected that i think it's declined 16 percent you know you're astrazeneca you're doing you're not making any money out of this you're you're licensing this take this uh, the production of this vaccine uh, all around the third world you're 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 number you're one of the most important contributors to covax which is supplying second and third, uh, developing and uh, third world countries, the with this vaccine, the, you're in partnership with the world's largest vaccine producer in India, and all you're getting is shit, your your share price is down sixteen percent. mean, frankly, if you're in a, if you're a, a vaccine company thinking, will we get into the not for profit business? Mm, I I don't know if it's the headaches are going to be worthwhile. Anyway, my point is, the UK has a deal secured for sixty million doses. The EU is still in process of getting a deal signed and that was the, these were for a certain amount of doses which they expected would be part of their supply chain which they may and I'm, I'm, I imagine they'll get this thing sorted out but if they don't well that's another bump in the road at some stage in the next quarter or the following quarter when it, whenever it is this will be approved. So I suppose Gary while I think I, I almost agree with them but for the wrong reasons that I am, I've got to the stage now, probably incorrectly, and pro- excessively pessimistically, that I am expecting that there will be further problems with supply. If we listen to the opinion of the Austrian Chancellor, one of the problems with supply may be that there is not the actual pro rata equitable distribution of vaccines happening within the EU. Now, there are certainly people in the Commission who vigorously contest. His position on that, but the Austrian Chancellor is certainly of the position produced some numbers to suggest that the, the the vaccines are not going, in not being distributed in the way that they should be. You know, we've got you, initially the third, these AstraZeneca uh, vaccines which are supposed to be going to the EU, but won't until the issue regarding the the licensing of the factory in Dax in Holland has been sorted out. But Gary. There are millions and millions of AstraZeneca doses all around continental Europe which are not being used because people don't want them.
0: AstraZeneca said there were 12 million unused doses spread throughout the country, or spread throughout the the EU. Then I mean you have America has tens of millions of them that it hasn't approved of but won't export because Trump passed an executive order that effectively stopped the exporting of uh, COVID vaccines and Biden... Just didn't rescind it, which is wonderful political cover. You haven't done it, but you're just gonna let it keep happening.
1: Just let it, let it sit there. We just haven't got around to it yet.
0: I am. I am quite enjoying the EU's sort of. Well, it's our. It's not our fault because we were the only ones not engaging in vaccine nationalism. Because the US has stopped export. The British, when they negotiated, looked like they put in British first. Uh, provisions into their contracts. But the thing I find quite interesting about that debate is when you look at the actual vaccine supply and where it is going in the world, not not just to Europe or America, the global vaccine supply movement. The richest countries in the world, and not even Canada is included in that, but Europe, Britain, Israel, the EU, and one or two of the Arab states, a couple of outliers, have effectively bought everything. And have sort of went, well, yes, the third world, you can have vaccines in time. So I think for any, anyone involved in that to then turn around and say, well, you know, we find this sort of vaccine nationalism, it's terrible. We're all in this together. Also,
1: and, you know, maybe this is a pettifogging point, but it's worth pointing out the EU is not producing any vaccines. Pfizer is producing vaccines. AstraZeneca is producing vaccines. Moderna is producing vaccines. The EU doesn't produce... These are private companies which have engaged...
0: Now you just now you just sound like the British government when the EU said that they were stealing European vaccines and they simply responded by saying, we're not taking anything from Europe.
1: And of course, the EU is now talking, big talk about getting, in, getting into some kind of uh, vaccine trade war where they're going to shut down the export of vaccines. And then it was pointed out to some... Well, you know... You might want to slow down on that because Pfizer, you know Pfizer that you know, that everybody wants Pfizer, it's all Pfizer, Pfizer, Pfizer. Well, Pfizer need these lipids, which are central to the delivery of the RNA in the vaccine, and they're made in England. Naturally, of course, Boris Johnson came out, clutching his pearls in a shot. We would never dream of stopping a private company exporting. Uh, these these constituent elements to to our friends in Europe, at this time of global pandemic, that kind of behaviour, that's not part of not part of our value system, which is great if you can get away with the saying it with a straight face. But God, you know, he said uh, it all. Uh, I would talk, we were talking about this before and the essence of my point was the production of these things is far too complicated to think you can simply throw down some kind of an export block ban and that will just tidy it all up. There are too many of these companies in too many places. There are too many constituent parts and too many ingredients that you're not going to eventually do it. There's somebody who can say, well, actually, you know, you can't do that because we don't, we make the little bottles that you need or whatever the hell it is, but at the risk of. Going back over well ploughed fields. As you said when we're beginning this conversation, Gary, about the fact that the problem is, they say, a problem of supply. Now I think you, Gary, would suggest that yeah, there is a problem of supply, but there, there is also a problem of delivery, that even if we had a very we had a perfect situation with the supply, the delivery mechanism is looking a little bit shaky. And the capacity for this delivery mechanism to be ramped up to go from supplying 60 or 70 or 80,000 a week to getting up to 200 two hundred and two hundred fifty thousand 250,000 a week. you're You're sceptical, shall we say, about that.
0: If there was a plan, if there was an explanation of this is how this will be done, as opposed to we will do this, I would just, it would be very comforting, as opposed to you know, step one, step two is kind of blurred, and step three is profit. I'm just curious about what step two actually entails.
1: Yeah, and that's a My point that I simply wanted to yet again reiterate was to say that it's a supply problem is not to be able to put your hands up and say nothing to do with me. It's everything to do with them. If we have a supply problem, if we have a shortage of supply of vaccine to vaccinate the Irish population, then the government has to consider taking responsibility for that. The government was part of the EU that agreement. uh which structured the procurement the way it did, the government knew, listen, put it this way, we knew on the 30th of December, because we read their their Spiegel article, right, on the 30th, it came out the 30th of December, we have to imagine that the government knew before that, that they were facing into issues regarding supply. At no stage have they made any kind of an effort to seek extra supply or alternative sources of supply. So they failed to do that, and it's not enough to, oh, we couldn't. Again, at the point of boring our audience, Germany, Denmark, Switzerland, Hungary, the Czech Republic, uh, Slovakia, Malta, um, Serbia even, have all succeeded in, on their Todd, going out and buying vaccines on the open market. We have not, we have chosen not to do that. Deputy Mark McSharry is on... Record is saying, you know what, at this stage, and he previously referred to the Sputnik. He said, listen, sh- at this stage, I think we should commit to seeking out supplies of Sputnik and uh, buying it and holding it on uh, whatever they can give us. And until they get, uh, they get approval by the EMA so that at least when, when it's, when, when that comes through, we will have it and we can roll it out and it will take at least relieve any further anxieties we we might have about vaccine supply, whether it's Sputnik or other vaccines that could be done. It is not good enough to simply say, Oh, it's all about it's all about supply folks, it's all about supply, and we could do nothing about that, so move along, there's nothing to see here.
0: Well Michael, you would say that, but from reading most of the media it does seem in fact to be good enough.
1: I yeah. Yeah. I don't know why it's good enough we were told. I mean, your man was it, Who the hell was it? Got up in the doll and said rather sneeringly, "People are saying you should go and go out and buy extra vaccines." Well, I can tell you, in a very, it is a, there's a pandemic on, and it's incredibly competitive global market. And within a couple of days, it was announced that was it Malta? Was that the week that Malta bought eight hundred thousand doses? Or was it the week that afterwards that Switzerland bought three three million doses of Pfizer? And we're talking here because some people will say, to you, "Oh well, would you take a Russian vaccine?" Which I respond, "Well, having been peer reviewed, the data having been examined and peer reviewed in the Lancet." And I would say I would probably, if I was offered, it, I think I probably would. But here we're actually we're talking with Pfizer, Gary. The Germans themselves got 15 million extra extra Pfizer, so I don't see what's uh, if, if those particular. Gooses, it was good for this particular gander, should have been involved as well. So, anyway, that's just want to keep that nagging, boring point in front of our listeners. Saying it's only, it's all supply, it's all supply is not a way of saying it's not our responsibility. Well, it might be a way of saying it, but it's bullshit.
0: Anyway, we will be back on Sunday,
1: presumably. We will. We will. We will. We are, we'll, we'll, we'll take that bet.
0: In one week, we will take a holiday, eventually.
1: Oh yeah, one week it'll be a very long holiday. But hopefully that's many years away.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't expect that we, we will ever take a holiday because I assume at this point we're like those cartoons where they run off a cliff and it's only when they look <laughs> down that they'll fall. And if we just keep going, just blind ignorance will keep the show happening.
1: Pink shit and ignorance, that's what we keep But going. we never
0: want to stop and consider what we're doing.
1: No, once you start thinking about it, the whole thing will fall apart.
0: Like questions like, why am I doing this? Why am I...
1: Oh, no, 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 no Gary, God, go, don't go there. Wouldn't
0: it be great not to have to record at 2 p.m. or 2 a.m. on no. a Sunday morning? Uh,
1: I know. No, no, no. Don't start pulling at that thread.
0: That way leads madness.
1: <laughs> that way leads madness. That way, your whole the fabric of your existence will start to come apart in front of you. So I think we'll just say goodbye to the people and we'll talk to them on Sunday. All the best.